This is Ron Stockton. <clears throat> In 2006, I got to introduce two very famous and very controversial speakers. They were also two people that I very much admire. They were John Mearsheimer of the University of Chicago and Stephen Walt of Harvard. They had written an article entitled The Israeli Lobby, which had become an internet sensation. Then they wrote a book of the same title. That became a bestseller. This was at a time when the U.S. was deeply involved in Iraq and was vigorously supporting Ariel Sharon and his militant policies, which were designed to crush the Palestinian Authority. The reaction to the book from right-wing Jewish leaders, especially Abraham Foxman of the Anti-Defamation League, Alan Dershowitz of Harvard University, and others of their persuasion, was very intense. You would have thought that they had called for setting up death camps. Foxman said it was a case of anti-Semitism and resembled the historic blood libel, a medieval accusation that Jews used the blood of Christian children in their religious rituals. He wrote a whole book in response. Dershowitz went on the circuit and wrote an extensive critique, which he put on his website. He was almost frothing at the mouth with moral outrage. On March 4th, 2006, Mersheimer and Walt visited the University of Michigan as guests of a student group. I was asked to introduce them. They had cited me in their extensive list of source materials, but otherwise I had no connection to the book. There were about 400 people in the audience. I had expected protests from Jewish students, but there was only one very right-wing group, Stand With Us, passing out brochures. Most of the attacks came from the Arab left because the authors said they accepted Israel's existence. Let me just say, I think there are times when people should learn to distinguish between friends and enemies. And Lenin, as Lenin said, no enemies on the left. Before the event, I had a chance to talk to the speakers. They were very easygoing and approachable. I asked if they had planned to write the book when they wrote the article, and they said definitely not. Both had other projects, but this seemed something that needed to be done. They said they had been given a one-day briefing before the book came out, and they began a book tour. That was by the uh, publisher. They were told to say nothing, even in the toilet, that they would not say in a public forum. Everything is on record. They said that was easy because that was their practice anyway. Their critics assumed that they had secret agendas and meanings in what they said. But in fact, as Walt said, if you were in my living room, you would not hear anything different from what you would hear tonight. Since this is my own policy, I could understand their point. I always assume that everything I say is on record, and I never say things in private that are different from what I would say in public. Walt, who is about a decade younger than Mersheimer, said that he was a bit shocked to find that some classmates had tried to ostracize his grade school children. Those kids were not to blame, he said. They had just picked up things from their parents. But he said, for them personally, it was not too bad. Their colleagues saw it as just another project. I thought the article and the book were very well done. I did not agree with every conclusion, especially the chapter on the Lebanon War of 2006, 
which may have been rushed to meet the publication schedule. But I thought they made a strong case that the Israeli lobby had distorted American foreign policy and had compromised Israeli security. They said that Israel needed a settlement and that resisting a settlement was harming Israel itself. I completely agreed with this point. This is what I said in my introduction. Remember that this was 2006. Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were battling it out for the Democratic nomination. Okay, here are my comments. I've spent a lot of time thinking about how to introduce our speakers. What I am not going to do is tell you about their resumes. Let me just say that these are two of America's most distinguished political scientists, especially in the area of security studies. In a recent survey by the respected journal Foreign Policy, listing the most influential academics in this area, both of our guests made the list. They are associated with the realist school of analysis, which typically involves a positive engagement with American power. You can make your own assessment of them in a few minutes. I want to take my short time here to address some bigger issues. One of those issues is Barack Obama. Another is Martin Luther. These may not seem relevant at first glance, but perhaps they will seem more relevant upon second glance. Regarding Barack Obama, we are now watching what may be a new form of politics in this country. Joe Trippi, the creative political campaign manager who organized Howard Dean's abortive 2004 presidential bid, recently said that Hillary Clinton has run the most effective top-down presidential campaign in history. He said she is struggling against Barack Obama because he is running the most effective bottom-up campaign in history, and she has not figured out how to control his, how to counter his strengths. Two weeks ago, Obama became the first presidential candidate ever to have a million donors contribute to his campaign. A million donors! Almost all of those are through the internet. In February alone, he added 385,000 people to his donor list and raised $56 million. 45 million of that was on the internet, and 90% came in donations of less than $100. That is bottom-up policies. I might note that by the end of his campaign, he had 3 million donors. Uh, that's just astonishing numbers at that time. Regarding Luther, historians say that Luther became Martin Luther, a world-famous reformer, rather than dying in obscurity as Martin Luther, seminary priest, because he came along just as the printing press was invented. Taking debating points, sorry, tacking debating points on a church door is provocative, but having an essay read by tens of thousands is a fundamentally different matter. Luther was the first widely read best-selling author in history. The bishops lost control of the information network, and his challenge to church authority went beyond the halls of the university where he taught, into the public realm. This simple fact changed history. In a similar way, Professors Mearsheimer and Walt emerged Luther-like in the Internet age. Had their initial 2006 article on the Israel lobby been published a decade earlier, it might have died an obscure death, especially since it was published in Britain. This is not the normal place one goes to reach the American public with a discussion of American politics. But in this new age of the Internet, the fact that an article is published overseas 
does not drop into a black hole. That article was as close as your computer. You do not even have to subscribe to the journal to read it or download it. That original article was published in a 24-page version in the London Review of Books. If even 10 people in this room read that journal on a regular basis, I would be surprised. That article was downloaded thousands of times and zipped around the world from listserv to listserv like Superman in flight. Okay, i got to pause here for a minute. Uh, the first Superman movie had a situation in which Lois Lane is killed in an accident. And Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, is distraught. What he does is fly into the sky and began circling the earth faster and faster and faster in a counter-spin direction. He slows down the spin of the earth, reverses it, reverses time, and as, and as it's reversed, he zips down to earth, snatches Lois out of the way of death, and then steps back and allow, allows the uh, earth to resume. So that's what I meant. They zipped around the world like Superman in flight. Then it was put on Professor Walt's website at Harvard Kennedy School in a longer 81-page single-spaced version, complete with 227 footnotes. Within four months, that longer version was downloaded over 275,000 times. Let me repeat that over 275,000 times, an 81-page, single-spaced academic article with 227 footnotes was downloaded over 275,000 times. Then it was reprinted in slightly revised form in the Middle East Policy, a respected journal, and was downloaded thousands of times more. Then last year it was turned into a 484-page book written in small print, and became a New York Times and University Bookstore bookstore bestseller. I do not have enough words to tell you how astonishing this is. Such a phenomenon is exactly that, a phenomenon. It does not it does an end run around the conventional centers of power. It mobilizes elements of the public who are not otherwise empowered. I'm not about to suggest that our speakers tonight are going to create a new reformation. They're far too tied into the power structure to fall into that category. Both have very conventional academic careers. Professor Mearsheimer is a graduate of West Point and served as a career military officer for a time before entering up at the University of Chicago. Professor Walt is past dean of the Kennedy School at Harvard. What is amazing about the controversy over their writings is that they are not coming out of the hard right or the hard left, which you might think from all the brouhaha, but out of the center. They're not revolutionaries. They're not radicals. In a sense, they are classic conservatives who want to preserve American influence in the world and believe that current policies are weakening it. Weakening it. In a very profound sense, they are the establishment. Under different circumstances, the names Mearsheimer and Walt would not be known outside of academic circles, and their articles would be read by hundreds, not hundreds of thousands. Only a handful of you would have heard of them, almost all through a political science class in foreign policy. Few of you would have turned out to hear them speak. 
But these are not ordinary times, and the controversy over their writings must be seen in historic context. All of you in this room sense that there are major shifts occurring in world politics. I can guarantee with near certainty that in 10 or 15 years, you will not recognize the Middle East. Something will happen that is so unanticipated and so unprecedented that we will be astounded. We may also be left in despair. You also sense that there is something wrong with our domestic political system. How do these decisions get made that create chaos on the other side of the world? Why is it that five media conglomerates control our information system? Why is it that we have a hundred television channels but consider a political centrist like Alan Combs to be representative of the left? Uh, this is a reference to a uh, to a, a debate program I think on uh, on CBS. Uh, called Point Counterpoint, in which you had a liberal and a conservative debating, and Alan Combs, who was really not very far to the left, uh, was considered the liberal. Why is there an effort to create an index of books you should not read or thoughts you should not consider? Uh, okay, again, uh, the Catholic Church in traditional times had an index, a list of books that Catholics were prohibited from reading. Some, some would sneak around and read them anyway, but they had a list of books and also a list of movies that you shouldn't see. Why is it that the proud University of Michigan Press suspended its distribution contract with a British publisher? This would be Pluto Press. Because some of their books contain radical ideas that students in London, Paris, Berlin, Moscow, Jerusalem, Ankara, and Delhi encounter on a routine basis, but you should not. Uh, this refers to a, a book by Joel Covell, uh, a distinguished professor at Bard College, who wrote a book called Overcoming Zionism, in which he suggested that you need to have a, a single state for all of its people. Um, interesting idea that was considered genocidal by some people. Exactly why, I'm not sure. There are no simple answers to these questions, and there is no single factor that explains what is going wrong. But something is going wrong. Our speakers tonight have a thesis that they want to present. It is not a simple thesis. It is not a conspiracy theory. It does not pretend to explain everything. Some of you will agree with it, and others will disagree. But I think I can say that all of you will leave this auditorium intellectually challenged and perhaps even provoked. I have said what I have to say. You are anxious to hear our speakers, and so am I. I present to you Professors John Mearsheimer and Stephen Walt. The audience response to my words was explosively positive. Mearsheimer asked for a copy of the introduction and later sent me an email saying it was excellent and he was pleased that I had not just summarized their credentials. Thanks a lot for listening.